Hey everyone, welcome to the Volleyball Insiders Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Nick St. Thomas, and today joined with my co-host, uh, the great Ori Pablos. Ori, how are we doing today? Doing amazing, having a good time, excited about this uh, and getting this going, so uh, let's go at it. Yeah, I think uh, this is definitely a long time coming for us. I think, you know, those listeners that are out there that know us uh, know that we spend a lot of time working on the computer together anyway. And uh, we figured why not start one of these, you know, podcasts where we talk a little bit about volleyball. Um, and uh, I think today, you know, is a good day for us to, to get to know you a little bit as, as kind of our first guest. Um, and we'll go through some, some different topics today, both volleyball and even, you know, outside of volleyball. Um, for those of you that, that don't know Ori, um, you know, he is a volleyball club director. He is a college coach. He's been a high school coach. He's, you know, been involved in high performance at all different levels, uh, a Florida region volleyball hall of famer, uh, you name it. This man has done it in our great sport of volleyball. Um, and I'm excited to, to have you guys learn more about him and his volleyball journey. Um, and I think that's probably a great place to start, Ori, is, you know, I think in terms of you getting involved in volleyball is, is kind of an, an unorthodox story, if you will, um, you know, maybe compared to most. Um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about, you know, how you got involved in volleyball after, you know, running some successful businesses and, and you know, outside of that? It was more about a hobby thing. I, I think there's some parents out there that have done this before. They kind of uh, have done volleyball at some point in their lives, and they put their um, daughters or sons in a club, and somehow they say to themselves, no, I can do this. So, you know, put a little team together in middle school or whatever it was, and uh, – and from there, we went to a couple of little tournaments, and uh, and that's it. The rest of the story, we uh, we ended up uh, putting a club together. I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about you know the business side, especially as you know starting out as a new club. Like, what were kind of the things you know when you first got Wildfire going? Some of the early challenges of starting you know a club from scratch. Well, at the beginning, you know, when you start the club, I I never thought of starting a club as, as a business or as something that would have any real longevity. It was more like a hobby, a way of spending time with my kids and everything else. Um, you know, the first team that I had, um, we had about 12 kids on it, and the cost of it was $650 for the whole season. So, you know, for all of you who are in club volleyball, you know that that doesn't cover anything. So... Um, it ended up costing me about $25,000 to run that team that year, and uh, which was all out of pocket. So at the beginning, it was just more of a hobby of mine that I that I would do it. It was later on, as as the years went by, that I realized, yeah, there's a, there's a business side to this. I was on my way out of, you know, towards slowing down with my career and my, my work. And I decided to uh, give this a go as a business and uh, and move forward with it. So that's basically it started like a fluke, actually. <laughs> well, what you consider to be started as a fluke has certainly turned into something pretty spectacular. You know, Wildfire has been around, for those of you that don't know, for the last 20 years. I think this year's your 
20 year anniversary. So congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That's that's pretty incredible stuff. And I think there's a lot of club directors who who hope to be around, you know, for, for that long, especially at the scale um and level that, you know, your your club has been at. Um what what have you seen, you know, in those last two decades in terms of club volleyball? What has been kind of the biggest things that you've seen change? You know, some people talk about, you know, the kids are different or this or that is different. What what's what's kind of been the thing for you that stands out the most? Um, you know, is it the game? Is it the kids? Is it the parents? What, what's kind of been the thing that's that's changed for you over the last couple of decades? Well, when it comes specifically to volleyball, I would say that the biggest thing in the last 20 years has been the growth. You know, I, I remember when I first started the club, um, the, the region, uh, USAV, Florida region, maybe had 5,000 members. I, I remember the first tournament we went to, we played a USAV tournament, and we weren't even members of USAV. We just played the event. Um, I don't think Steve was around. Steve Bishop was around back then. He came into the region, I think, a little bit later, and he definitely did a great job in, in growing the sport in Florida and promoting it. I'm not sure how many members there are in the USAV region, but you know, the region has grown also to to having AAU events, um, you know, having uh, all kinds of different events, even national events in our, in our region, and the amount of athletes playing volleyball now. You know, I've always said that um, we're not each other's, uh, even though the clubs are in the same area and athletes move from club to club, our real competition was, you know, soccer, dance, basketball. Uh, a lot of kids were playing those sports and not enough athletes playing volleyball only because it wasn't available. Uh, volleyball has become a lot more available and the numbers are huge of the kids that are enjoying the sport, coming into the sport. And I, uh, that's the biggest change, the amount of athletes that have now uh, joined the sport of volleyball. Um, what's kind of the, the one thing in terms of wildfire, you know, after being around for so long, um, you know, obviously you've, you've had some, maybe some ups and downs, growing pains with the club, if you will. Like, is there, is there like a, a moment that you can pinpoint and say like, you know, that the wildfires finally made it or, you know, is there just a, a really, really cool moment that, that is a good memory for you, um, in terms of wildfire or like, what's kind of the, the thing that stands out to you the most in terms of we, we've really kind of made it as a club. Listen, Nick, one, one of the things that I've always uh, looked at when it comes to wildfire is I've, I've never felt we've done enough. So every year I'm looking for, for more to provide the athletes and, and create a good experience. You know, um, th there's two types of, of people running clubs. There is those who are coaches uh, and they are all volleyball. And then there are those who are, are business people. I, and I think the great thing about Wildfire is having been able to find a staff that understands the combination of both. Um, you know, we're in the service industry. Our job is to provide the athletes and the parents with a good experience, um, you know, good training, uh, making sure it's a safe environment. And, and you know, uh, along that, provide good communication and making sure that, that these kids are learning not only on the sports side, but on the, on the life side, becoming the teammates, uh, dealing with 
um, playing time, dealing with coaches, dealing with other people on the team. So I don't really, I can't really say there was a a turning point or a high in 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 the whole wildfire spectrum. I could tell you that I I love what I do. I mean, come on, we're volleyball coaches for Christ's sake. I, some people ask me, what what do you do for a living? And I say, well, I'm a volleyball coach. And they stay staring at me, and their next question is always, is that a real job? Well, it's become a real job. It's become a real job for for a lot of us. And, and uh, you know, that's the biggest thing that I could say, not only about wildfire, but across the board with uh, with volleyball in in the organizations that, you know, are our peers and, and that we work with. You touched you touched a little bit on you know the the training that you guys provide. Um, you know what would you say is uh, the thing that stands out to you that's that's maybe you know different. You know uh, maybe you know better. Uh, what what are some of the training methods that you guys have adopted over the years that you feel like uh, helps your club stand out? You know on the court, off the court, um, or maybe what are what are some of the training methods that you know. Maybe you started out doing something one way training wise, and now you're, you're you're training something completely different. You know, as the game has changed. Um, I don't think you, you know um, anyone that tells you that they've invented something new and, and are giving you so much more. Uh, you kind of have to question that. I, I I think the most important part for any club, and I that's what we try to to do a wildfire is have the same type of care for the elite athlete as much as the beginner athlete and giving them that same importance. Um, I think one of the things we do very well is maintain a very active court. Um, you know, we, we, even though we're not a gold medal square club, we, a lot of us are trained in gold medal square. So we use a lot of, of, you know, uh, their teachings, uh, you know, uh, we go back to also uh, CAP. And, and and we, one thing that we do is that we try to maintain continuity in the coaching from year to year. And we also spend a lot of time in trying to use the same cues uh, from one year to the other. Uh, we do a very good job at recruiting. Uh, we want the kids that want to play at the next level to have that opportunity. Um, so, I think one of the things we do different is we love to win and, and we win plenty, uh, but our main concern is the success of the individual athlete uh, for the time they spend with us. So that's where we're at. Yeah, you touched a little bit there on on the recruiting side. How much has that changed uh, for you and your athletes over the, you know the, the last two decades? Are you seeing more and more kids from your club, obviously, you know, go on to the next level and, and, and take advantage of those opportunities? Yeah. So, you know, we are at a point where, you know, we have our own recruiting coordinator uh, full time on the, at the facility, well, at the club. Um, uh, we have a platform that's for the athletes that doesn't cost them anything extra. Listen, I truly believe that anyone who wants to play at the next level will have that opportunity. Uh, the question here is, are you going to get picky? Because if you are an athlete that, you know, can play volleyball at the next level, uh, but your goal is to play in, you know, Texas or, you know, Stanford, 
um, well, at that point, you better be a top 1% athlete. So there has to be some type of finding the right fit, first of all, academically, and then, you know, uh, volleyball-wise. But, um, yeah, recruiting has become a real big deal for us. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's super exciting, you know, obviously to hear about how many, you know, your athletes going on to the next level. Um, I think that's definitely got to be a, a sense of pride for you and your coaches, uh, you know, to see that how many athletes from your club continuing to play. Um, you know, one of the one of the other topics that comes up a lot with club volleyball, um, and I'm, I'm certain that you've seen this over your last several years doing this is, is you know, how to maintain a good relationship with parents, um, you know, and and helping them feel involved in the process without them being over-involved in, in, in the club volleyball process. So how do you kind of maintain a good relationship with parents? What are some of the things that you guys do to help your parents feel involved in, in what their athletes are going through as they develop with you guys, uh, you know, from when they're 12 years old all the way to when, you know, maybe they're 18 and then and graduating high school. How do you keep your parents involved in a positive way? Well, um, you know, the whole parent question is is, is a tough one. Um, you know, a lot of times, uh, one of the changes that, that we've seen in the years is the parents. You know, when when I was growing up, you know, my parents never went to a sporting event. You know, I was an athlete, and my parents never went to sporting events. They just didn't, didn't care about that. You know, that changed through the years. Parents were showing up more, spending more time with their kids. I know I did when my kids were playing sports. But now, you know, um, it's, it's taken a, uh, it's evolved into um, parents uh, when it comes to sport, not all of them, by the way. We're generalizing here and we're talking in general, but um, parents putting a lot of pressure on athletes uh, more than on anybody else about success. You know, um, today's younger athletes or the young generation, uh, parents are very afraid of their kids not being successful at everything they do. And sometimes you're not going to be successful at, at a sport that you try at, or uh, you may not be successful in in math. You may not be successful in, in you know, um, learning to play an instrument or learning a language. And... Uh, nowadays, for parents, that's a real tough one to swallow. In other words, they expect their uh, their daughters or sons to to be successful and to not fail. They see that as as hurting their self esteem and everything else, rather than understanding that failure is is part of growing up, uh, part of being in life, and uh, and it doesn't define you. It actually helps you become a better person when you fail and you can climb out of that. Um, you know, fighting that mentality is tough. Um, finding the winning mentality at all costs is also tough. You know, not understanding that a team that competes at the highest level can lose can lose games. And when, when it becomes about wins and losses, um, it becomes an issue. I, if I can give a parent an advice is uh, enjoy your, your child uh, as an athlete and what they do and, and be a resource for them rather than, you know, uh, become an advocate of, of good competition or getting better and, and celebrate the good things. Um, that's basically what, what I would suggest. But 
other than that, those are the conversations I have with parents. I could tell you that when a parent comes to talk to me about a concern with a child, I very much take their emotions into uh, account uh, because that is their child and they will be emotional about it. And the key here is to find a solution uh, to make sure that when that conversation is over, we have done something that is going to help this child, whether it is um, trying to get some more playing time or getting better at a skill. Um, so that's a way we we have been able to deal with parents and try to be as helpful as we can uh, without going overboard. So, Ori, I want to I want to maybe uh, segue a little bit away from, you know, the club side. Um, you know, you, you've been involved uh, at the collegiate level for several years now, both, you know, with Nova Southeastern University and Lynn University, you know, members of the Sunshine State Conference, you know, NCAA Division II programs, um, you know, and you, you've been a, a national, you know, evaluator for, for, you know, the college high performance programs with USA Volleyball. Um, what's, what's that experience been like? How did you get involved, you know, with, with both programs and, and, you know, what are some of the differences now of, you know, coaching college kids versus, you know, high school kids? So, um, you know, I started coaching um, uh, college about 12 years ago with uh, Steve Wolkowski over there at NSU. I, uh, I asked Steve to, uh, to see if I could volunteer coach at, his, uh, at NSU, and he brought me on. Um, I love the, the college coaching experience. I've always worked as a volunteer. I've been at Lynn now for, I think, I think close to, to nine years. And, and I like the college experience. I, I think uh, the level of commitment for those athletes is uh, you really need to be committed. Um, you know, being a student athlete is a job. Uh, you're either um, training or working out. Uh, you have to have discipline in, you know, your social life and your partying. You have to have discipline with your nutrition. Um, you know, you're coming to uh, play sport at a school, so um, we expect performance from the athletes. Um, of course, it's, it's a much higher level of, of play. As you know, the Sunshine Conference is really strong. Uh, Adam, who's the head coach at, uh, at Lynn University, and Travis, uh, who's assistant coach, they've done an amazing job in bringing really good athletes, really exciting athletes to that program. Um, so I really enjoy the, uh, the Lynn University program. I enjoy being in the gym with them. I enjoy that they come in there and they always want to get better. And these are kids that were probably the, the best at their club team, uh, the best at, at their high school team. And yet you're, they're coming in there and having to, you know, ride the bench for a couple of years without missing a beat working as hard as everybody else. Um, you know, all those things, that growth, um, you really see the growth of the athletes between the ages of 18 and 22. That's when they mature more. So when they're lifting, when they're running, their their bodies build up a lot more muscle. Um, they become a lot more physical and faster. Um, it's, it's, it's a great atmosphere. And... Um, you know, one of the things that I don't think club players do enough is go to university matches, and, and I think they should. I um, One of the issues that we have with volleyball 
is that um, the, your regular player from you know your high school years and middle school years, they don't really have anybody they look up to. In other words, they're not really fans of volleyball. It's not like other sports like football, basketball, baseball. You have major leagues, national leagues, and and pro leagues, and the young kids are looking forward to becoming like, you know, they want to be like Michael Jordan. They want to be like LeBron James. And I think uh, think volleyball is missing that that uh, that that uh, that need that we have for for kids to actually see really high level volleyball and say that's how I want to play. That's that's what I want to. Ori, one of the things that we've seen change in the last few years in terms of collegiate volleyball is obviously the transfer portal. Um, you know, you have coaches who have embraced the transfer portal. You have coaches and programs who maybe have, have strayed away from it just, you know, for, for personal reasons, for pride, whatever you want to call it, ego. Um, how have you seen the transfer portal either help or hurt college volleyball, particularly at, you know, the Division II level with Lynn um, and in the Sunshine State Conference? Look, um, there, there was a time when um, athletes came to a program, a university program, and this is athletes across the board. We're not going to just talk about volleyball. And they would do their whole school career there. Yeah. At, at the same time, those athletes would come to schools, maybe not particularly like the school, like the program. It wasn't a good fit. And there really wasn't options for them. You know, they, it wasn't like, like now. I, I think what happens now is that athletes come into programs, a lot of them expecting to start in, you know, the first year they're there, which is really tough to do. And, uh, and right away being discontent with, with their playing time, um, their program or their school. So, you know, they have the option of going on the transfer board. Um, what I think is that, you know, it all depends if, if you need continuity in your program and, and you want the same players to come back over and over again, well, unfortunately that's no longer in your hands. Uh, any player can now say, I want to be put in the transfer portal and, and, and leave and probably end up in, in another school. So. Look, I, I think like everything else, there is very good things about it and there's things about it that, you know, we could frown upon. Um, I think it's a great opportunity somewhat for the athletes. Um, and it, I think it's a great opportunity also for the programs uh, to make sure that they're creating an environment that those athletes are going to be about, um, know what their duties are, um, have a role in the program, and and it, it puts it on the coaches and the staff to really create that environment where those players, especially those good players, want to stay and play for the program. Um, other than that, you know, it's, it's an opportunity for everybody in players and coaches across the country to you know, pick up talent and, and, and go where you feel is a better fit. I think one of the things that that I've seen with the transfer portal is that essentially, you know, programs who maybe 
you know, you have conferences where they're, they're very top heavy, right? You know, for several years, you know, you had the same schools, you know, winning those conferences, you know, going to the national tournaments, you know, in, in whatever sport you want to, you want to talk about. Um, what I, what I think I've seen the most is now there's, there's an opportunity for some more parity, uh, you know, within the conferences, um, you know, and, and, and essentially, you know, maybe in particular, you know, the state of Florida, there's only so many great Florida kids, you know, out there that, you know, for all the schools to recruit, we have so many programs here in Florida, um, you know, that have women's volleyball. And I think for a school like Lynn, you know, to be able to get some transfer kids and, and obviously some international kids, I, I think that's provided an opportunity to become more competitive. Is that something that you would agree with and that you've seen, you know, maybe in the last five years? Well, you know, we also have to take into account that we had a COVID year um, where, you know, everybody had an extra year of eligibility. Um, I think that right. has hurt uh, a little bit um, the kids that were graduating over the last two years because you have a lot of graduate students now that still have a year of eligibility. They're staying to do graduate work and, you know, they're on the transfer portal moving around. Um, that's not going to last forever. In other words, that's, you know, by next year, there'll be a decline on, on graduate students, um, you know, having a, a, a year of eligibility. Um, you know, with that said, you're right. It creates a lot more parity. You know, you have the, the, uh, the other uh, factor that you have coming in is NIL money. And, and uh, you know, now student athletes can make money. And, you know, that's not just in football or basketball. It's, it's happening in, in volleyball. So, so the, whole, um, the whole process of, of recruiting has changed for the schools that are going after a particular athlete that is no longer, you know, what playing time they're going to have or, you know, how they're going to be on a better team. Now it has also become this is how we're going to market you so you can be an influencer in the sport and, you know, make X, Y, and Z money while you're with us and even after. So there, there's a lot of play now in, in college sports that's really changing the arena. Um, but at the end of the day, when you look at it, the, the good programs in the past are still the good programs now. Uh, so there's something to be said for, for, you know, the coaching staff and the culture that they create in their programs. Or we've talked about, um, you know, college volleyball, club volleyball. Um, you know, you've always been someone who's been super involved at the grassroots level. Uh, for as long as I've known you, you've, you've been working with beginner level athletes as much as you've worked with, you know, the elite athletes, both in your club and in, in the community. Um, talk for those of you that don't know, um, you know, Ori's obviously involved in this, uh, Florida junior challenge league that's been growing over the last three years in the South Florida tri-county area. Um, so, or I just was wondering if you can, you can touch on that, how that started, um, and, and, you know, how you've seen that grow over the years for, you know, a program that's been dedicated to beginner level athletes. Well, you know, um, a few years back, there was a few of us doing one-day events in the area, and um, basically there was like five organizations running those. Uh, we were running into the problem that we would conflict with each other on the weekends. Um, uh, we would be competing for the same teams or the same clubs to come play at our events. Um, so one of the things that I did is I, 
I went out and I started talking to all the clubs. And the idea here is uh, was to create a uh, a league uh, that none of us own. is is owned by everybody. It's, it's a co-op league. So the way it would work is we would um, use the facilities that all these clubs are now using for one-day events, and we would run our own-day events over uh, the same weekend. We would have everybody join that league, and the proceeds for the you know the payments for the um, for the entry fees at the door and the concession will go to the facility that was um, that was uh, running the that part of the event. As many uh, uh, pools as they were running or teams that they were running. So in essence, um, there is an administration fee. Uh, for for the league at the beginning of the season. But after that, all the entries for every team go directly to the hosting club or the hosting facility. And what that did is uh, it spread the league out over everybody who had facilities available. And we grew from 78 teams uh, the first year. Uh, we were over 150 last year. As we progressed with that, um, so a lot of the clubs felt that this team should be playing in two-day events to give it more of a club feel for these teams. So, um, you know, we have a tournament series down here in Florida um, that was going to be challenging for the league because of memberships and, you know, with USAB and AAU and everything else. Uh, in the league, you only have to have a AAU membership so how do we, you know, how do we move that forward to two-day events? Uh, in comes in three-step to run events in South Florida, which do not require a, a membership. And we were able to uh, create a series of events in South Florida that are two-day events. that now, um, with your help, Nick, actually, we created a regional division in those, in those events that gives the lower teams um, the ability to play at their level. Um, so we've kind of customized um, a lot of what we do to the needs of the clubs and the teams in South Florida. And because of that, uh, everyone is having great success. You have to understand that this league, now with the one-day and two-day events, are a huge money saver for the parents. Um, and for the clubs, because you can actually run a whole tournament series and never have to leave the area with great competition at the level that your team is and really have a, a great tournament experience throughout the season. So, you know, we're excited about the league, but make no mistake about it. This is not my doing. This is a very large group of clubs coming together and wanting to work together. And like I've always said, yeah, you know, we have kids coming from one club to the other club and and you guys see each other as competitors. But at the end of the day, our competitors are other sports and we want more and more kids to play volleyball and we want them to have the, the ability to have good events to go to where they're going to compete at their level, have an opportunity to win and just have a good experience. So... You know, as far as the league is concerned, I really, really have to thank all the club directors from the South Florida area that participated in it 
because they're the ones that have made the, the league a success. Yeah, you touched on, um, you know, the Florida Power Series as well and, and you know, what that's kind of meant to all the clubs. Um, it going into its second year this year. Um, what what are some of the things that you're excited about heading into the second year for some of these two-day events? Um, you know, they're obviously growing. Um, I, I, it's been super awesome for me to be involved in those in, in a tournament director capacity. But um, I think, you know, for you as, as somebody who's kind of spent time in every step of the way in terms of volleyball and maybe maybe not necessarily thinking that you'd ever be on the event side of things, but now, you know, here we are, you know, running this series uh, for the second year in a row and, and we have events that have just been growing immensely. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe how those things came together and, and you know, what you're most excited about as, as the two-day events start to, to grow as well? Look, I've always frowned upon the fact that um, South Florida, as far as volleyball, was getting not a lot of respect. I mean, our, um, there was events down here that were low level. Um, so I, I've, I see it differently. I, I see a lot of good volleyball in South Florida. And one of the issues that I've always oh yeah, one of the reasons that I've always had is the fact that in order for us to play any type of decent event, we would have to travel out of the Tri-County area. And a couple of years back, um, you know, along with, um, you know, Carlos Rionda and another group, um, you know, called ROC, we decided that we wanted to make South Florida an area that would be solid in volleyball and that where the parents and the athletes and the clubs in this area would have the opportunity to play as good of an event as anywhere else or better without ever having to sleep out of their beds, you know? And guess what? We've, we've kind of accomplished that. We partner up with, uh, with Three Step and we've brought a tournament series to South Florida that is unmatched. Um, you know, our events are great. Um, last year, we were able to bring a national event down um, you know, for Martin Luther King uh, this year because of facilities, we weren't able to do it, but it looks like he's going to be coming back here either 25 or 26 and stay. So at the end of the day, what we've come to the realization is that by supporting each other in here in South Florida, we've had created a juggernaut of, of volleyball in our area where the regional events that we play, we stay home without creating an expense for the parents and, and the athletes and even for the clubs. And that helps us maintain and keep, you know, pricing and costs down. So it, it all works out and, and it all makes sense. We are always looking at new things. Uh, for tournaments, we want to make them not only about the athletes, but about the parents. We want the parents to go to these tournaments and have extra stuff to do not just watch her kid play volleyball. So, you know, for them to be an outing experience, uh, you know, we create lounges where they could go have a drink and watch a football game. Um, you know, we are looking more and more are creating um, activities and stuff for the, for the parents that they can interact with their kids and the athletes. So what we're doing is we're, we want to add value. To, to everybody who is a customer of these events. And we want to add value to the athletes of, of these events. So with that in mind, and, and when 
And when you go into creating events, um, not just for the sake of creating a tournament, but taking into account, you know, level of play, um, activities in the event, um, what we're giving back, all that, all those kinds of things, then these events become a great experience uh, for everybody, for the organizers, for the parents, uh, for the athletes, uh, for the sponsors. And, and that's, you know, we just started last year. We had great events. We're having great response this year. And, and what we want is for the, um, the Florida series that we're running down here uh, to become one of the series that everybody wants to come play at. So that'll do it for our first episode here on the Volleyball Insiders podcast. Ori, uh, thank you for giving us some insight into all facets of, of volleyball that you've been a part of over the years. Um, and I'm really, really excited to, to do this project with you uh, weekly as we get to know some more members of our community. Um, if you guys have anything interesting out there, listeners, please send it our way. You can send us via email info at volleyballinsiders.org. Follow us on social media. Um, Ori, anything else to add before we take off here? Well, actually, I, I maybe should have said this at the beginning, but I want you all to know out there that the views and expressions uh, uh, in this um, podcast here are mine and in no way reflects those of Nick, uh, my wife and kid, <laughs> or, or anybody else in the world. <laughs> awesome. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next week. See you next week.